Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. I don't know what plans or resolutions or your goals have been for 2018. I, I don't know if you have set any or you've had any hopes for what you want to see happen. I don't know how those are progressing for you. Um, I want to talk today about this idea of living life confidently. And I, I want to talk kind of, I guess, from a personal level very much as well. Because I know that what I experience in my life is very similar to what we all experience, isn't it? We are all humans, we all live in the same world, and even though we might not experience the same things at the same time, there are seasons in our lives. And uh, uh, we're in a season, or I'm in a season, we're in a season as a church, but we're also in a season as a family. Um, 2017 was a year of change for us as a family and also as a church. Uh, you know, October, November time, I stepped down from employment at the church and that was not part of a big plan. That wasn't part of a grand scheme. It was a necessity essentially. And uh, you know, I've started working for myself. And as a result of that, 2018 looks very different for me than how I was thinking it was gonna look, I guess. And it's been challenging on many levels. Um, and I want to talk about that whole idea of how we cope when life throws us a curveball. When uh, what we thought was going to happen doesn't happen and different things happen. And when we look forward, like 2018 for us as a family is, I'm not sure what that looks like. Um, someone was asking me this week at our, one of our, li at our life group meeting, how, so how long are you planning to work for yourself? Um, and I just said, I don't know. I don't have any plans, as if it was part of some grand scheme. All I know is I'm doing what I'm doing and I'm trusting God. And it's a transition time for us as a family and for me. And, and in many respects, uh, it's frustrating because there are things that I want to do which I can't do. So like my primary goal now simply is to provide for my family. I would love to be more involved in the life of church, but I just don't have the energy or the time to do it as much as I did before. So if I'm honest, looking at 2018 for me, I'm saying, Lord, what does it mean for me as a, as a guy who is a father, a husband, um, who is, feels called in, in some form of ministry, but it doesn't look like that right now. So I'm trying to, trying to juggle this situation and asking God, what does the future look like? And I don't have the answers that I want to have. All I know is that today I'm doing what I believe I can do. And tomorrow is another day. Amen. Uh, and tomorrow I'll do the best that I can. And in God's wonderful timing, he'll show us more. But how do we cope in those moments? How do, we, uh, how do we carry confidence in our lives? How do we live confidently when there are a lot of questions and life doesn't look how we thought it was going to look and uh, we don't know essentially what the future looks like right now when we would really love to. We don't have a time frame to, to be able to pace ourselves towards. We're just taking a day at a time. I want to talk into that kind of scenario today and, and talk about how we can live our lives confidently when it seems wonderful and when it's really testing. How we can just be assured and calm in the Lord. So that's my goal today. I hope that what I'm going to share is helpful. I'm just keenly aware at this stage of my life that life stretches us at times. 
that sometimes it's confusing and sometimes it's exhausting and sometimes we feel like, how am I going to carry on doing this? How am I going to get up today and face the world? You know, I don't know if you've seen on Facebook, sometimes people talk about, I don't want adults today. I just want to do child thing or whatever. I don't want to be responsible. How do we keep going through those things? So the word confidence is kind of what I'm looking at today. What does confidence look like in the context of what I will be speaking about? Well, I've found, I've kind of accumulated a definition from dictionary and from Bible, and this is what I have to offer to set the stage, as it were, for us to be able to talk some more. So what does confidence mean? Listen now, confidence is the quality or state of being certain, trusting, free and fearless. I love that. Free and fearless, cheerful courage, boldness, assurance, and calm. That's what I want to talk about today. How can we carry that state through our lives in the midst of what life throws us? I'm going to, I'm going to read it again. It's the quality or state of being certain of something, even when things don't look like that, yes? It's trusting. It's free and fearless. It, it involves a cheerful courage. Uh, it talks about boldness in the midst. It talks about carrying an assurance and a calm. I want us to be able to get that. I want to get that and I want you to be able to get that. And I want to maintain that and I want you to be able to maintain that. So I'm going to talk about that today. And I'm going to read from um, Hebrews chapter 10 from verse 19. Uh, if you've got a Bible or an app on your phone, you can read along with me. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, it says, listen now, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence, I love that, to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds I simply want to reflect today I've got seven points that I want to make they're not long I want to reflect on that passage of Scripture Part of my frustrations is I haven't been able to give as much time to prep the sermon that I want to personally, but I know God has something for you in spite of my limitations because he loves you. Amen. So let's have open hearts and hear what he has to say. The first thing that I loved from this passage was talking about the fact, you know how in life our confidence often is based on what we know, what we see, what we have. And he is saying here, we have confidence. 
right? You might say, but I, I don't feel confident right now. Look at my bank account and you'll know what I mean. I don't feel confident. Look at my prognosis. I don't feel confident I'm all alone. I'm not sure about my job. And the point that the writer is trying to say to us here, it doesn't matter what you're going through. You have confidence. So now your mind is saying, okay, but I don't feel that way. How do I get that confidence? What is that confidence built upon? And I want to just talk about that for the next couple of minutes. This whole idea that we have confidence already. We have a reason to be confident now. To have hope. To feel cheerful courage. To be assured. We have a reason already that's not based on the things that our senses like to be based upon. And this is it. The Bible says, we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. So on a level, we get that. But I want to try and expand that because it's more than what you think. You're probably sitting there thinking, I know this, James. Jesus died on the cross. He paid the price for my sins. He has forgiven me. I'm washed whiter than snow. That means that I can come into his presence when I need to come into his presence. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. But just think about the fact that it's more than that. When I say to you, Jesus loves you so passionately and so completely that he supremely gave himself as a sacrifice so that he could have a relationship with you because we have to respond to his gift, don't we? He's made it possible for us to have a relationship. He's made it possible for us to be with him in heaven one day. But actually, the reality of that is down to how we respond to that gift. And what he wants is for us to say, yes, I give my life to you today, Jesus. But it's more than that. It's not about my future is secure. One day when I die, I'll go and be with heaven. What it means is I have a relationship with God now. That he is real and he's involved in the minutiae of my life now. Not just when I die and I go on. He wants to have a relationship with me now. He wants to be with me now in my situation. He wants to be with me now in my circumstances. He wants to be my provider. He wants to be my healer. He wants to be rich in my life now. He died and shed his blood so that he could become the bridge so that we could know him now in this life. How do we have hope in this life? How do you go to someone who's living on the streets and say, Jesus is the answer? It's because he's with us now, in the midst of all that we're going through. That's how we have confidence now. Because we're not alone. Because he is all-powerful. Because he is for us. That he's working for our good that he has plans and purposes for us now to bless us in spite of what life is throwing at us. That we can connect with him now. That's hope. Amen? I'm not alone. I have a reason to get up in the morning and push on through the difficulties of my life because I'm not alone. 
because Jesus has made it possible for me to have a relationship with him that affects my life now, not just when I die. It's more than fire insurance. Amen? Amen. It's relationship. It's personal. It's real. It's vibrant. Greg was talking last week about this idea of your first love. You know, so many people live out of obligation. Like, I'm a Christian, so I have to follow the rules. But Jesus is saying, come on, I'm alive. My heart is beating right now. I feel emotion towards you. I have things I want to show you that you don't even know. I have things that I want to tell you. I want you to know what it's like to be loved and accepted. So we have confidence already. If you've been sat there thinking, how can I have confidence? I hope I've enlightened you. Jesus is waiting for you just to turn your face to him and connect. He's, he's a breath away. A breath away. We have confidence already. It also talks about the fact that we have a great high priest. I want you to just understand how actively Jesus is working for you right now. In this moment, you know, in the Old Testament, before Jesus had come, the way that people reconnected with God was they would bring an offering, whether it was an animal or whether it was grain or whatever it was, they would bring it to a priest at the temple. And the priest would sacrifice that animal on your behalf for the forgiveness of your sins. Which meant that the moment that that animal was sacrificed, you were cleansed. But five minutes later, when you'd had a bad thought or you'd said something that was sinful, you required another sacrifice. But the point I'm trying to make is that priest, his job was to stand between you and God and he would make a sacrifice that you would bring for you to God. Today, we have a great high priest who paid the price once and for all when God looks at you now, he sees you through Jesus. Jesus is fighting for you. He's like the mediator. He's not fighting for you. He, he is the mediator for you. Legally, he has paid your penalty. And when God, God doesn't feel anything except love and acceptance towards you now because Jesus has made a way. And you know like when you go to court, you have a, a lawyer who represents you to the judge. Jesus is that person. And there's nothing that anyone can say to accuse you because he's wiped the slate clean and he's standing there next to God on your behalf. So I just want you to be very clear in your heart and mind now how you can be confident because Jesus has done it for you and he's standing there for you. Amen. My third point today comes from where it talks about the fact in verse 22. It says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. The devil's goal is to create a divide between you and God. His goal is to accuse you. The Bible talks about him as the accuser of the brethren. It talks about him as being a liar. So his chief goal is to destroy you, is to hurt you, is to harm you, is to separate you from God. And he will tell you things like, 
God's not interested in this particular area of your life. Or he might say something like, you've blown it too many times. Don't try and go back to God because God's just going to roll his eyes at you and say, I'm enough. Sort yourself out. I'm not interested anymore. Those are the kinds of things that the devil is trying to tell us in our moments of greatest need. When the Bible tells us we must draw near to God with a sincere heart. Do you know what that means? When it talks about the idea of a sincere heart, it's talking about confidence. Um, I looked at a definition. When you have a sincere heart like this, and it talks about the idea of drawing near, it's talking about the fact that you have um, a complete freedom to speak, that you have no reservation in speaking to God. So it's like, you, you know, sometimes, maybe you've done this before, but I have this image that some of us, when we come to God, we come in like this. Hi, God, if it's okay, um, please, can I just speak to you about this thing in my life? Um, and it's like we shuffle in. I don't want to make him angry. Maybe he's in a good mood today. Maybe he's going to listen to me. That is so far from the truth. Do you know what we have a right to? And we're so accepted and so welcomed by God. It's like when you are in, I don't know, your children just burst into the room and interrupt you no matter what you're doing. They don't worry about it. They just feel the confidence to come and speak to you about anything. And that's exactly this image that the Bible is talking about. We must run to God. In our difficult times, in our disappointments, in our worst sinful state, when we feel the, un, the least worthy, when we feel like we've failed, when life is just so hard we feel like giving up, the Bible says run to God, no matter what. Run into His presence and let Him put His arms around you. I know for some of us that picture is a little bit uncomfortable if we're not touchy-feely kind of, maybe we've come from a, a kind of a, a very different church background, but that is the image. Look at the story of the prodigal son. The father ran to him, grabbed him in a bear hug. The son couldn't even apologize. He couldn't get the words out. The father was just so happy to see him. I want to tell you today, we have confidence to draw near to God without any fear. We are completely acceptable. I want to tell you today, it doesn't matter how bad you've been in your past. It doesn't matter how bad you were today before you got to church. It doesn't matter how much of a failure you feel. You are acceptable to God. And we must learn to just run to Him. Don't let the devil lie to you and keep you away from the wonder of God. No matter no matter what, it, there is nothing that could separate you from the love of Jesus. There's nothing that you could have done or thought. There's no circumstance in your life. Nothing can keep you from the presence of God except yourself. Run to Him. Run to Him. If you're feeling dry, if you feel like your passion is gone, but you've been faithfully doing your thing, but you just feel empty, 
just humbly come and say, God, I've been trying to do it in my own strength. I've failed. You know what I did. This is what I did. I'm sorry for what I've done. Please forgive me, God. I need your strength today. I'm weak. I'm helpless. I'm nothing without you. If you don't fill me, I'm empty and I'm, there's no hope for me. That's how we ought to come to God, recognizing he's all we need. And he completely welcomes us and accepts us. Let us, assure, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Listen to that. The full assurance that faith brings. Often we get the cart before the horse. We want the assurance before we step out in faith. Amen? We want the answer so that we know we're doing the right thing or however you want to put it. it. It goes from right at the beginning to becoming a Christian, that step of faith, you know, trusting that this is all true, that Jesus is who he says he is, that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. All the way through our lives, faith leads to full assurance. It's not full assurance leading to faith. We have to express our faith, and that's hard. It's not a once and for all process. It's a daily process. We're taking God at his word. You know, even when life gets crazier than we've ever experienced before, he's still the same. His word is still true. His love is still fierce and strong for us. No matter what stupid stuff we've done, he's still the same. We have full assurance to come before him. Verse 23 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. You know, the temptation is, is that we are, our faith journey is expressed a little bit like a roller coaster, you know, where you're climbing up to the highest heights and then whoo, you plummet down to the lowest lows and then whoo, you're up again and then you're whoo, whoo, whoo. do you know what I'm trying to say and and there is an assurance that God wants us to experience in this life where we're steady we're unmovable we're unflappable not because of anything that we have to offer but simply because he is God and we're in his hand and his love is strong. Let us hold unswervingly. When we're driving along, imagine the picture. A rabbit runs out in the road. You're tempted just to pull the car out of the way. He's saying, doesn't matter what jumps out in front of you in life, you just keep going straight. There's no need to freak out and react and overcorrect. Yeah? Just keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on me. I want to just encourage you today that God is faithful. You know, when you look at the definition of the word faithful or where that whole idea came from, it came from God. It's not a word that we've applied to the... God is faithful, the Bible says. He can't be anything else but faithful. What he starts, he finishes. When he says he is with you, he is with you no matter what, wherever you go. When he says that he's for you, he's available 24-7. He doesn't have a nap. Just hope nothing goes wrong while God's napping. 
He's passionately working for our good. And I want to tell you today that you and I are building our testimony today. We're building our testimony. You know, when, when life gets tough and the temptation is to try and take the reins ourselves, when the temptation is to try and fix it ourselves, we negate the opportunity for God to do a miracle. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? The testimony that I have of God today is determined by the steps and the processes and the situations that I went through and the, the, the space I gave him to be God. If I have been used to trying to fix everything and trust in myself, my testimony of God is little. But if I've become used to letting him be big in my life, my, testament, my testimony is huge. And I want to tell you today, when you're tempted to give up, when you're tempted to lose hope, just go one more day. Give God the opportunity to be miraculous in your life. Don't pull the ladder up. Don't say, I can't do this anymore. I've had enough. I don't trust you, God. I don't believe you anymore. You're building a testimony by stretching your faith and giving God space to be who he is and who he wants to be. Hold unswervingly to your hope. Number six, it talks about how we should hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. What do you profess? What do you speak daily about God? About his ability to meet your needs in the situation that you're in? There's a lot of chatter. You can go and find people talking about all their woes and all their troubles and how they feel abandoned or they have confusion or, uh, and, and that can get on you. I just want to encourage us to be a people, you know when people are talking about all the difficulties of life, we're the kind of people who pref profess a hope in God. Where we say things like, I trust God to meet my need in this moment. I don't know what's going on, Lord. I don't have the answers. I'm not sure how we're going to get through today, but I trust you because you are able. My profession, my words that I'm speaking are, are Bible-based words. They're life-filled words. They're hope-filled words. They're, they're an exercise in me saying, God, I'm giving you space to be God rather than saying things like, you know what I've been saying recently, I was saying earlier on this morning, I'm, I'm slightly challenged, every time it comes out my mouth, I feel like, don't say that James. And it goes something like this, when, I'm, when I've been lifting ceiling boards and I'm plastering another ceiling and I'm feeling exhausted and I say things to people like, oh man, I'm feeling old. <laughs> and I reflect back to when I was doing this work about seven or eight years ago and I think, it didn't feel that hard back then. I must be getting older. My body just is not keeping up. And, you know, that might be my physical reality, but when I start professing things like that, I, I start to actually limit myself. And I start to feel potentially discouraged, or how am I going to do this? Instead of saying, God, you're my strength. I thank you that you've got a plan for me that you are helping me in everything that I'm doing right now. 
You're my strength. You are making me new. You're restoring me. Uh, You know, I should be saying better things with my mouth. And I want to encourage you today, like me, to choose how we speak carefully. What words do we profess? Speak them loud and speak them proud. When circumstances look otherwise, profess your trust in God. Talk about the goodness of God. And my last point this morning as I get ready to wrap up is from verse 24. It says, let's consider how we can encourage one another. You and I are designed by God to be part of the family of God. You know, when we talk about church, we, we're not talking about the structure. This is a building. When the Bible talks about the church, it's talking about the people the family of God. You and I are designed to be in fellowship with one another. And simply put, if you are feeling isolated, if you feel like you're all alone, get in closer fellowship. And you know, we're very clear about how we believe this can happen the best in our church. And that's in small groups. You know, we're a sea of faces on a Sunday. We maybe connect with two or three people and chat over coffee But in a life group, we get to go deeper. We get to do life together. We get to encourage one another. We get to pray for one another. We get to study the scripture and apply it to life together. We get to support one another when we have needs. We run around each other. That is what God's plan is for us. The devil's plan, again, is just to isolate us, to make us feel excluded. When God is saying to us, get involved, get plugged in. And if you're not involved in a life group, can I just say a wonderful way for you to start getting involved is come on Thursday night to our maturing course, our maturing in Christ course at Castle Key, Cooper's Coffee, 7.30. All the life groups will be there. They will be breaking into their groups after the main session and we can help you find a group or we can even potentially start new groups. If you want to be more involved, it's possible. You have to initiate it though. Amen. You have to make the time for it in your busy life. You have to decide what you want and what you need and make it happen. It's possible. So look for others to encourage. That's how you can encourage one another. When you, when you are surrounded by people who are being negative, be an encourager. Find people who need encouragement and gather around them. You know, we're all busy. We all have our own issues. And sometimes the temptation is, because I've felt it before, I've got enough to deal with. <laughs> Honestly, don't have the emotional strength sometimes. But I believe God is saying, I can equip you to be an encouragement to someone else if you'll let me. So let's be encouragers to one another, amen? Let's support one another. Let's love one another. That is what church is about. It's not about attending a meeting and ticking a box. So much more, amen? Jeremiah 17 says in verse 7 to 8, Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. There's blessing waiting for us if we will be more trusting whose confidence is in him. Listen now, this is what is on offer for you. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. The tree knows where the source is. 
as believers, we know who the source is. We just stretch our roots into God. Amen? And it goes on to say, that tree does not fear when the heat comes because its roots are expressed and extended into Jesus. Its leaves are always green. Hey? When the branches or the, the, the bushes and stuff around or the trees around are dry and withering, the one who trusts in Jesus, whose confidence is in him, whose roots are extended into him, is always lush and green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. That is God's will for your life, that you be fruitful in the rainy season and in the drought. It is possible to be fruitful always. We just need to connect with God and stretch our roots into him. Amen. Amen. I want to pray. Lord, thank you today that you are real, that you are a person, that you love us passionately, that you've made a way for us to connect with you and live in you and through you. I thank you that you are hope. I thank you that we can trust you. I thank you that you are faithful. I thank you that you have plans and purposes for us that are beyond our compre comprehension. I thank you that the end of the story is better than the start, Lord. I thank you that you're the beginning and the end and everything that comes in between, Lord. I thank you that you are able. I thank you the earth is yours, Lord, and everything in it. That you are our provider. That you meet our emotional needs, Lord. That you meet our physical needs. That you meet our financial needs, Lord. I thank you that you comfort the lonely. That you bring the orphan into a family, Lord. It's all you, Lord. It's all you and only you. And I thank you today that there is more for us than we could ever comprehend. And we choose today, I choose today, and I trust my brothers and sisters here, we choose to stretch our roots deeper into you, the river of life. That your refreshing water flows into the limbs of our lives, making us green, making us flourish. I thank you that even in the midst of drought, Lord, we are fruitful because of Jesus. It's in your name we thank you and pray for these things, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.